Cool. And it's like you never, it, it never tells you exactly when you're live. It says you're now streaming, but let's see. Waiting for Zoom. It says live. You are screen sharing live. I, I think I think it really, Charles, am I live? Because the circle thing keeps going. Pitt says page. Can you tell me if I'm live, Charles? See. Yeah. Oh, now it's going. Okay, hold on. Yeah, so I'm waiting for this little blue bar, Josh, and that's sure, what okay. I was waiting for. Sorry. Okay, and then when it enters, I can talk. Any second now, any day. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Today's guest is a Harvard-educated physician who is currently working at the True North Health Center, and he's going to be giving an amazing lecture about why you might be having trouble losing weight, one of my favorite subjects, and he's going to talk about things that I didn't even learn about until probably a year ago, like nitric oxide, biofilm, and toxins. And then when he's done with this presentation, we'll have a chance to ask him a few questions. Please welcome Dr. Joshua Hellman. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Chef AJ. Yeah, you're, you're definitely one of my heroes, and uh, we can get into it later, but you're one of the reasons why I I was able to complete this journey and, and get healthy. So I'm so happy. I can't wait to hear your story. Yeah. So, so the topic I wanted to talk about is specifically why you might be having trouble losing weight. And it's, you know, it's, it's right after Halloween, kind of scary. What I'm about to talk about is kind of scary stuff. And I wish it wasn't true. And uh, basically it, it is scientific and, and I, I don't want to lose people over the science. I basically just want to open people's eyes that there are other issues here and that they shouldn't be blaming themselves. That this, these are, this is basically things that are in the environment that, that uh, some they can control and some they can't. So the, the three areas, nitric oxide, nitric oxide is just a gas, just like oxygen is basically one nitrogen and one oxygen molecule. We'll talk about biofilm, which is a biological film, and, and we'll talk about toxins. And I'll tell you that what I'm about to share with you, some of it is not controversial at all. The, the controversy is when, you know, when you hear this information, like, well, what should I do about it? So, okay, and uh, started off very traditional background, licensed in 14 states, two degrees in biochemistry. And again, I'm, I'm gonna try not to lose people in the biochemistry. And so, so basically one of the reasons why nitric oxide is important is it's actually antiviral and it's being studied now as we speak in, you know, to fight COVID-19 because of its antiviral properties. It's been shown to work in the original SARS and then SARS-2 or COVID-19. There was a, a press release, an article from the Mass General Hospital in Boston about how this gas can actually help fight the virus. And this is not new information. There are articles from 2004 and 2005 about using this gas to fight this virus. And the way it works, it's, it's amazing. Nitric oxide, this gas, basically helps the health of the blood vessels, uh, all, all the blood vessels in your body. It helps the endothelium, which lines those blood vessels. So, and what are things that you can do to increase the amount of nitric oxide, this good gas? One is uh, you can eat green leafy vegetables. Surprise, surprise. And there are basically two pathways that your body produces uh, nitric oxide. One is in your mouth and one is in your gut. So the, the way to maximize the amount in your, in your mouth is by chewing. And 
also, as this slide shows, avoiding mouthwash because mouthwash will kill the good bacteria in your mouth that will produce this gas, nitric oxide. I would also avoid toothpaste with fluoride because the fluoride will specifically kill the organisms that produce nitric oxide. And then when it comes to the gut, what can you do to maximize the production of nitric oxide? You avoid acid blockers, you avoid antacids, you avoid NSAIDs like Motrin or Advil. And so am I saying never, never take Pepsid or an antacid? No, I'm not saying that, but so many of the patients that I see take, take antacids every single day and they're hurting themselves because, because the good gut bacteria can't develop. So, uh, so besides eating green leafy vegetables, um, I personally take a supplement called uh, Cardio Miracle and you can find out more about it on my website, drjosh.com, drjosh.com. And I like it because it opens up blood vessels and I use it right before I work out. So, uh, and, and the discount code, Dr. Josh, you can find it on my website, drjosh.com. Okay, and changing gears here a little bit. And I also wanna talk about fat. Why is it that when you eat a fatty meal, it's not good for you? It, it turns out, this, this is a study from 1997, looking at people after they ate an egg McMuffin, and I don't recommend that you do that, but in the red here is, what happens to your arteries after you eat an egg McMuffin is within an hour, there's damage, your endothelial function, the function of the cells that, that, produce, that, that produce nitric oxide goes way down. And that, and that damage to the endothelial lining lasts for about six hours. So imagine every time you eat an egg McMuffin or a fatty meal, and so that's in red and in blue is the control where they didn't eat, they ate a low fat meal. So imagine every time you're eating a fatty meal, you're causing damage that lasts for say six hours. You know, the average American eating three fatty meals a day, the only time their arteries can recover the endothelium is, I don't know, maybe four or five in the morning. So this is, when I say endothelial cell, this is what I'm talking about. It's the lining of the blood vessels. And the way I think of it is every time you eat a fatty meal, it's like taking a hammer and, and uh, hitting your foot, you know, if you do it once, you know, you're gonna have a bruised foot and you'll limp for a little bit, but in a few days you're gonna recover. But imagine instead of you taking that hammer once, that you're doing it three times a day. That's the type of damage that we're talking about. And that's why people are getting chronic diseases and obesity, you know, or being overweight is part of that. So, and this is just a picture of what you know, this damage three times a day over decades can do, the lining of your, you're basically your blood vessels become calcified because your body's got to deal with all this damage that it's trying to, to heal. And I know some people are like, and, and frankly, this was me, Chef AJ, this was me, I, you know, when, when I, you know, 10 plus years ago, when I was on a, you know, traditional American diet, a high fat diet, um, I, I was like, you know what, this is interesting, but but you know, I'm, I'm, what's the minimum I can do to improve my health? So you know, moderation. Hey, maybe maybe you'll eat one healthy meal a day. You know, moderation is going to give you a, a moderate size hammer to do the damage. And I think this is one of the reasons why intermittent fasting works. Because if you're only if you're keeping the high fat bad meal damage to only a few hours a day, you're giving your body 
a time to repair the rest of the tile. So, and this is just a, a picture under a microscope. On the, on the right here is, is what it looks like when you have damage to the endothelium. And no, you want, you want your, your blood vessels to be nice and clean. So, you know, if, if you were to put all the blood vessels, you know, together, they're huge. It turns out they're 50,000 miles of blood vessels, you know, over two times the circumference of the earth. So traditional approaches to, to, to help repair just, you know, one little blood vessel in one little place, it, 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 it can help for the time being, but it doesn't fix these miles and miles of blood vessels we're dealing with. This is a picture under a microscope of cholesterol. And, and this is a whole other talk we're not going to get into here, but on the on the right, maybe you can see that that if you eat too much cholesterol, but our bodies make cholesterol on its own. You don't need extra cholesterol from animal sources. And if you do get it, uh, this is what happens in, in your blood vessels. You get spikes, spikes there, and those spikes can cause damage and can actually pop your blood vessels and cause clots and, and blockage and potentially death. So, um, so let's go back to nitric oxide. It's basically associated with damage or hardening of the arteries. And as we get older, the amount of nitric oxide goes down from 100% in our 20s down to only 15% by the time we hit 60s or 70s. So I've been asked this many times, like, so this is, this is in the typical American. What about people who, who do the right thing, eat right, and, and maybe you know, take a, a nitric oxide supplement? Well, well, their numbers are a lot better. So and you might be thinking, oh, well, how do I know if I've got these problems? One way to find out is you can take an ultrasound probe and actually look at your carotid and see how thick your carotid is and if there's any damage there. So, and, and we grade this in different, different degrees. Um, but as, as the damage, as the thickness gets, gets worse and worse, you get more and more calcium buildup as the body's trying to heal the specific damage. And when you eat a fatty meal, you get sludging uh, in the blood vessels. And this is kind of interesting. Why is it when you eat a fatty meal, you cause damage to, to the lining? And the reason is, this is fascinating. Um, when you eat a fatty meal, you change the, the formation of the red blood cells from nice smooth surfaces to spiky ones. And it's the spikes. You run, you run something really spiky through a small blood vessel, the endothelial uh, cells get shredded. So this is why eating a high fat meal is not a good approach. So why is this all important? So basically, if you can use nitric oxide to open up your blood vessel, uh, you, you're gonna be able to have more efficient exercise and you can also help bust up the biofilm, which we'll talk about next. Have I lost you yet, Chef AJ? Not yet, but I'm taking notes. Okay. So, so what is a biofilm? And again, this, this is something that I learned in basic biochemistry, but, but most physicians don't really apply this. So, um, so biofilm is just a biological film. And, you know, if you've ever looked at pond scum, yeah, that's a, that's a biofilm. But what I'm talking about here are biofilms within the body. And what are examples of biofilm? Well, one good example is in your mouth. And it's the reason why we brush our teeth hopefully a couple of times a day to remove the, the amount of biofilm from the bacteria in our mouth. We've got biofilm in our ears. Now, if you, if you have a hip implant, 
it's, you know, let's say you have a metal hip implant, the surface of that implant doesn't have blood vessels. So it's very hard for the body to deliver uh, white blood cells in their immune system to specifically fight uh, the bacteria. And then there are also infections like the Lyme spirochete that will spin a biofilm around it. And that's, those are just some of the examples where biofilm is found. This is what it looks like under a microscope. You basically go from one cell to many that look like a mushroom and then they, they go back to single cells. So, but what's interesting is within this mushroom, there are often lots of different bacteria and parasites and toxins, which we'll talk about next. And this is just another diagram that, that is a cycle. And yeah, it's normal to have biofilm, but you wanna keep it, you know, you wanna keep that infection to a minimum like we, like we talked about. And this is, this is what it looks like uh, under a microscope. If you can think about what these bacteria will do is they will lay biofilm like layers of an onion. So what, what I found working in clinics where we, we dealt with patients with chronic neurologic problems like Parkinson's and uh, what we would do is bust up the biofilm. And what would be interesting is it, would go, it was reverse chronology. So you go back in time, every time you take off a layer, it would release the toxins and the infections that were there uh, at, that, at the time it was laid, laid down. So you can do blood tests for biofilm. How do you bust up the biofilm? And again, I don't rec recommend that you necessarily do this on your own at home, but there are things like glutathione, nitric oxide, vitamin C, alpha lipoic acid, phosphatidylcholine, and enzymes like natokinase and serapeptics. And, um, you know, the reason I don't recommend doing heavy detox on your own is, without medical oversight is you can actually do some damage. And let me give you a specific example. If you have toxins in your body, one of the ways to approach it is to give, give you a binding agent like zeolite. And zeolite's just, it's basically a cage that will, will bind off to anything um, that it comes in, into contact. Now, there's some people who are advocating taking zeolite drops, putting them under your tongue, and then they get absorbed into your bloodstream, and then they get filtered into your kidneys. The problem is then you're delivering that toxin to your kidneys, and you can do kidney damage. And unfortunately, the kidney cells, the nephrons normally don't regenerate so easily. So instead of that, uh, I normally recommend oral binders. But, but I, I bring this up because I've run into non-physicians non-scientists were basically recommending these drops without understanding the implications. So, um, so the last thing I want to talk about are toxins that make you obese. We call those obesogens. And um, we, we've known about this for, you know, probably you know, over 10 years. There was a study in 2009 specifically looking at rats because you can't ethically in inject people with these obesogens. They used a, a plastic called BPA, but this would work with other uh, obesogens too. We also call them endocrine disruptors. And what happened is when you fed rats the BPA, the, the toxic ones became 36% fatter. So, so often when, so this is the way I think about it. You know, if, if you're overweight, much of it has not to do with your willpower. Because if you look back in time, you know, look at photographs from the beach in the 1950s, almost no one was overweight. And, and people were like, oh, it's my genes. Do you think people's genes are a lot different in the last 1950? I don't think so. 
So what about people? So that's rats. You know, people are different than, than rats. So at my alma mater, Harvard School of Public Health, they did an obesity study looking at little babies because you can't, you can't accuse babies of not exercising enough. And what they found is shocking. They found that the number of obese infants under the age of six months has increased by 73% since 1980. That there's, you know, and so what's going on? What's causing it? Well, one of the possibilities is they found, they took blood right after birth. They took umbilical cord blood and they found 287 chemicals in the baby, right, right at birth. And we know 75% of those chemicals are toxic. So, so here's a question, where do 95% of those toxins come from? How did they get into the baby? Well, it turned out 95% of them are from eating animals and animal products. So when mom is eating while she's pregnant or even before she gets pregnant, because many of these fatty toxins, we call them persistent organic pollutants, they, they have a half-life of say 10 years. So when you eat them, they, they get stored in your fat cells. And it's a fat trap. They make, they make you fatter and they make it harder to lose weight. But the major source of these, again, are animal products, which is why you don't want to be eating animals. So what are examples of these, of these environmental estrogens that will make you obese? Things like atrazine, BPA, DDT, dioxin, endosulfin, PCBs, phthalate, xeranol. You know, Chef AJ, I, I was really shocked about a week ago. I don't know if you heard about, about it, but they found... Uh, off the coast of uh, Los Angeles, right by Catalina Island, they found half a million of, of these uh, beakers, containers of DDT. W were you aware of that? I wasn't. Okay. So, so it turned out, I think back in the 1950s, the, the largest production of DDT happened to be in Los Angeles. So, and, and, and I, I think by the 1970s, they figured out this stuff is toxic. We don't want it around. And they were looking for places to dump it. And they decided to dump some of it in the Pacific Ocean. So you might be saying, some of you, like, like I grew up in Los Angeles, you might be saying, but some of you are not from Los Angeles. I don't have to worry about it. No, the problem is this is just an example that there are 80,000 man-made persistent organic pollutants that are, are out there. And they, and they enter the food chain. So if you're eating from the top of the food chain, whether on land or sea, if you're eating fish or cows, you're, you're getting a big dose of these toxins. And here's the data to prove it. This is from the EPA. This is from the government. This is dioxin, which is another persistent organic pollutant. And where, where do people get, they study, where do people get most of, of these toxins from? From beef, dairy, milk, chicken, pork, fish, and eggs. Now, can, can you breathe some of it in? You know, if you eat fruits and vegetables and greens, are you going to get some of it? Yes, you're going to get some of it but a much, much lower dose by a factor of 10 or more. So, so to me, this is what I think about every, every time someone says, oh, you know, it doesn't matter if it's from animals or plants. Yeah, it, it matters when it comes to toxins. It matters a lot. So, so and you might say, well, I'll eat eggs because it's got lower. Yeah, it's got lower, but it's got other toxins that are higher. So, all right. So, and, and it makes sense. The, there was a French study from 2017, just a few years ago, they compared vegans to non-vegans and they said, okay, which group has higher levels of toxins? Guess what? It's the, the vegans have much lower by a factor of 10 or more because they're just, they're not putting it in their mouth because you are what you eat. And, and this, this is, 
this is the the picture of why you don't want to eat from the top of the food chain because you're basically eating all the toxins that all the animals under it you know accumulated and you so, some of the people in your audience might might say oh yeah but i eat i eat organic beef you know i eat or, organic meat that that's safe right unfortunately not the studies i've seen is in some cases organic meats actually have higher levels of these toxins i'm not talking about organic vegetables i'm talking about organic meats and uh, so the way around it is not organic, unfortunately, when it comes to meat. Okay, so, so, so you might hear, all right, so I heard about these toxins, can I get tested? The answer is yes, there are urine tests that you can go. Now, if you go to your traditional physician, you'll be like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, they, they did, believe me, they did teach us about acute toxicity in medical school, in our training. What I'm saying is that it's not something that, that most physicians worry about on a chronic basis. And that's why you're gonna get stares. So you, but you can do specific testing on your urine for different types of petroleum and industrial and toxins and pesticides, mold. You can check your mitochondrial function because some of you know mitochondria produce energy in every cell in your body, but they also help remove toxins. So if your mitochondria are not working, you're, you're out of luck. You gotta focus on improving your mitochondrial function. And you can also look at organic acids uh, through the urine. All right, um, another topic which we could spend a whole lecture on, heavy metals are another type of toxins that are higher, for example, in fish, whether it's mercury, lead, cadmium, arsenic, or aluminum. And you normally wanna do hair testing for chronic exposure. And, and there are ways to treat it, things like coriander, glutathione, chlorella, garlic, wheatgrass juice, and even uh, if, it's, if your symptoms are severe, you can do chelation therapy. Again, you're not going to be doing that at home. Okay, so conclusion, losing weight can be difficult for so many different reasons. Uh, I recommend nitric oxide, eat and chew your greens every single meal. And, and I, I remember, and that's one of the things I loved about Chef AJ, is like every meal you want a big bowl of salad. Um, and, and But I do that, but I also supplement because I want I want a long-acting nitric oxide approach. Biofilm, again, it sounds like crazy medicine, but it's, it's produced by bacteria and parasites, and you can bust it with exercise, nitric oxide, things like that. And toxins, if you're having symptoms, you can definitely get tested. You just have to find a doctor like myself who's open-minded enough or, and or likes the science enough is willing to, to learn about this. And um, here's, here's my contact information best way, way, way to reach me is Dr. Josh, drjosh.com. Areas include chemical toxicity, Lyme mold, lifestyle medicine, and, and even cancer. And um, yeah, and here's, here's the Cardio Miracle discount code, Dr. Josh, drjosh. And um, I hope I, I didn't completely bore everyone and put them to sleep. <laughs> I don't think you bored us. I think you scared us. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's just Halloween, yeah. I mean, especially like with those children, that that's just not acceptable. It's not acceptable, and 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 um, you know, I think as uh, I grew up as a child in Los Angeles, and so as I was growing up, I remember you know going to Santa Monica Beach all the time, and you know, so so you got so I was I was in in the water on a beach, and and you know a few miles away, you've got these big drums, big can half a million canisters of DDT, which, you know, I'm sure some of that got incorporated into my body. 
um, because I, I was eating meat and fish and, and all those things growing up in Los Angeles. So yeah, it's, it's, it's tragic. Would you like to, to uh, stop the screen share and then we yeah, can yeah. see you? And then yeah. if you wouldn't mind Dr. Hellman asking a few questions based on the lecture. Of course, that would, that would be great. Jeff. Thank you. And then also I'd love to hear about uh, what you're up to at True North. But a, a couple of people are saying, well, but tap water has fluoride. So uh, what alternatives do you recommend for either water and also for toothpaste? Because people are saying, well, we need fluoride in our toothpaste. Yeah, so 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 that, that's a great question. And, and, I, and I, first I'm going to say that if you talk to the typical dentist, they're going to say, oh, you need fluoride. And the, the problem with that approach is fluoride, we know, is a neurotoxin. So, um, so what, what are things that you can do? There are toothpaste out there that don't have fluoride. And the other thing is I would, I would advise people to, to stay away from tap water. You know, when, when you can, you can, you can get, um, I mean, what we do at True North is we just get, get double distill the water. You know, you can get filters that will remove the fluoride. So, but, but, but what I'm sharing with you is definitely different than the mainstream advice you're going to get from dentists. But, but, but I think one of the key points here is what's called the precautionary principle. When you have something that you're not sure is safe or not safe, err on the side of, let's just assume it's not safe. So, so because there's, there's information about fluoride being toxic, why why risk it? Yeah, I, I agree. Maggie says, is tea tree in toothpaste okay or does that damage the mouth bacteria? I think, uh, I think tea tree should be okay. Um, you know, here's another tip when it comes to oral hygiene. You know, there's some people who will scrape or, or brush your tongue, which is fine, but I would leave the, the very back of the tongue for some bacteria to grow so you can, you can your, your body can fix the nitrates that way and, and produce the nitric oxide. Nice. Uh, let's see. Uh, Monarch says, uh, does, how does drinking wine affect the biofilm? Yeah, so, so, so wine is a toxin, uh, or, or excuse me, the alcohol in the wine. We know that alcohol is a toxin. So, um, so it is going to have an effect on the biofilm. And I'm not a fan of, you know, drinking wine on a regular basis. So, but for, for the reason of the alcohol part. Right. And, and then most people, they do make alcohol-free wine, but it's not very popular. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, so tell, tell us a little bit about how you got to True North and, and what, what you're doing there and how is it there? Yeah. So, so, so my journey, so basically I, uh, a couple of years ago, I was a medical director at Hippocrates, which is a raw vegan retreat in South Florida. And before that, I was at a, a detox center also in Florida, helping patients with uh, Lyme and mold and, and other uh, toxins and, and Parkinson. So, so basically, um, True North has been amazing because specifically the focus is on fasting. And fasting is a great way to remove toxins. It's a great way to lose weight. It's a great way to reverse all these chronic diseases like diabetes and hypertension, etc. But I will say that um, when, when patients, you know, fast and, and it doesn't work completely, 
I think the reason why is not because fasting didn't work, but because we're dealing with very high levels of toxins in biofilm or infection, which is why, you know, even though I, I just talked about kind of complicated scientific topics, I think they're key to understanding uh, health. So, yeah. But you, you, you lost a lot of weight. I met you, I think, was it maybe four years ago, four or five years ago on the Holistic Holiday at Sea Cruise. You had an adorable, precocious son. How's he doing, by the way? Yeah, Jason's Jason's doing really well. He's He, he doesn't like uh, the whole quarantining and and but thanks for actually, you know, he's uh, he's definitely a fan of yours, but he has not switched over his diet yet. But I, I love the fact that you you planted the seeds and, and gave him a, a great role model in terms of, you know, eat, eating salad every meal. And uh, yeah, so, and, and yeah, and me personally, I've, I've, I've lost a lot of weight and I'm in much better health. My, my high blood pressure went away and, you know, I, I wanted to share with the audience one specific thing that I heard you say, it must have been five years ago, which is that cheese is not a health food. And I knew that. I knew that from the scientific studies. But and this may sound really weird, but I had to hear it from you. I had to hear it from you up on the stage saying, you know, because, because I realized because I had been, I've been brainwashed. You know, if you think about where we get our, our nutritional education from is from it's from commercials and commercial sources. And then it was from uh, misinformed people in, in my training. So, so I really, I, I needed to, even though I, I'd, I'd heard, you know, Dr. Barnard and other people and, you know, read books about it, I needed to hear it from you. And then that, to me, that was the last, the last step of being like, oh, okay, I can give up all these animal products. I'm not addicted anymore. That's great. I, so, you know, what they use at True North, that's not something we can get for home use, is it? Or is there a diensis, is there a home filter that you recommend? We have a, a Aqua True, I think it is, and we're getting a Berkey. Yeah, so so, so, so you're right. I mean, the, the one that they have at True North is an industrial water filter, but you can get, you know, there are lots of different types of water filters. So so I, I, would, I would definitely recommend... Uh, you know, depending on where you are and, and, and what you can afford. I mean, but it's not, it's not rocket science to, to run uh, a HEPA filter or, I'm sorry, not a HEPA filter, but, but a, a, a distiller. So, yeah. So Lori's saying, where did that question go? So is it safe to use vanilla extract with alcohol? I would say it's not a question of safe, but it, it tastes so much better to not use it. I mean, as a, I was a pastry chef and it does, even though it burns off, it doesn't taste good. Use actual vanilla, the bean, the powder, the paste, you know? I, I agree with you hundred percent. And but I, I'm going to take a different, a different approach is I would, I would say stay away from the alcohol. It's a, it's a known toxin. So just, just like given a choice between using soap and water to wash your hands to fight COVID or an, or an alcohol, you know, so, you know, use the soap and water. If you've got a choice between a vanilla extract with or without the alcohol, go without the alcohol because we know alcohol is a toxin. It causes cancer. It causes other problems. You know, why, why risk it? Yeah, I agree. Um, so there's a question, can, is True North open? Can people stay there even though there's a pandemic? Are they taking safety precautions? Yeah, so, so the good news is yes, yes, we're open. And yes, uh, we're taking patients. I think we're, we're booked up till February. So there, there's a strong demand and, and we're doing things safely. We're using precautions. And 
Um, I think now is an ideal time to fast because, you know, society is kind of shut down. So, you know, is society, is society is kind of hibernating, you know, if, if you're going to take time off from your busy life, now, now would be a good time. So, yes. Yeah. So let me see what other questions we have. What about, oh, somebody's saying they're hearing that, you know, we need olive oil, good, you know, fats, good for the brain, you know, same old, same old. Yeah. So, so there, there, I mean, we, we could, we could talk for an hour just on that topic, but I'll try to condense it very briefly. So is olive oil better than butter? Yeah. It'd be better to use olive oil than butter, but do you need olive oil as an essential oil? The answer is no, you do not. A lot, a lot of the marketing about oil is, is just that it's marketing from, for commercial, you know, purposes. Here's one example to make a gallon of olive oil. It takes over 5,000 olives. It's a highly processed food. And what I want you to think about is every time you take that olive oil, you're causing red blood cells in your body to get spikes and those spikes are doing damage to your blood vessels. So that, that is not healthy. And, uh, the, the other thing to consider is that um, I, I lost my thought, but, but um, you know, I, it's interesting. I mean, at, at, uh, at Hippocrates, they, they put oil in every prepared dish. Yeah, and, you, 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 you used to work there. What, what was that yeah. like? And how is it? How is, I, obviously, it's different than True North, but they, they had a different take on oil, which I don't understand, especially for people that are trying to lose weight. Yeah, and uh, 100%. So you have people working out four hours a day, you know, really hard, which is awesome. But then you bring them to the dining hall and you feed them, you know, dressings with oil and prepared foods with oil. It doesn't make any sense. And uh, the, the response I got from the leadership there was, well, we've done, we've, done, we've done it this way from the 1950s. I don't care about research showing that when you, when you take oil in, you, you're doing damage to your blood vessels. Uh, so, so, so it is true that olive oil is better than some other oils, but it's not a health food. And it's not some, I'm not saying never have olive oil in the rest of your life, but I, like, like other forms of, of salt and sugar, it's something that, that you shouldn't regularly be adding to your food. And, but I, I get it, it took me literally years to, to, to adopt a healthy lifestyle. So if you need olive oil right now to, to make that transition, you know, more power to you, but, but don't, don't be under the understanding that that's a health food and, and certainly trying to lose weight. That's but, the most I mean, But, but 75% of the population is overweight or obese. So who are these people that can use olive oil and alcohol moderately? I mean, right. who are these 25%? I, I don't know any of them. So yeah. So, 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 so the other thing is, I also want you to think because people hear, oh, I need olive oil, healthy fat for my brain. What I want you to think about is, and, and, and we, we've looked at, at an autopsies of patients with dementia, is that the, the people with the dementia have clogged carotid arteries because they were eating those healthy oils. So so unfortunately, every time you eat oil, you're doing damage to your blood vessels, including the blood vessels to your brain. So explain to me how you can have a healthy brain if you can't deliver blood flow to it. I don't know. I think a lot of times people just want good news about their bad habits, like Dr. McDougall says. So there's a question from 
VB if reverse osmosis filters out fluoride? Um, reverse, I think they should, but I, you know, I would, I would check with the manufacturer. I, I, I can't claim to be an expert in all the filters. I, I will say that one that will not remove fluoride are the charcoal filters. It is just charcoal. Charcoal is a good binding agent. It's going to bind toxins, but it's not going to bind the fluoride. So, so you, you normally need to distill it, basically uh, cause the, the water to evaporate so you can get rid of, you know, the uh, fluoride and other, other salts. Right. Um, Dina says, is xylitol okay in toothpaste? I heard from the GI doctors I interviewed for the GI Health Summit that none of that stuff is good for the gut. I, I agree with you. I, I don't think xylitol is, even though it may be, you can find it naturally in a few rare fruits or, or vegetables, you know, I, it's not something I would add. Uh, so I agree 100%. And when you think about it, it is an added sugar. You know, just like you shouldn't be adding corn syrup or sugar to your beverages, you shouldn't be adding artificial sweeteners either. So either way, no, it's not something that you want. Great. David says, do you have any programs where you work with people who do the program from home, let them do their own fasting and then watch them via video? That's an interesting concept, actually. Yeah. So so the, the quick answer is it depends on how long. So I, I'm not in av so, so one thing I love about True North is it's medically supervised. You've got someone rounding on you a couple of times a day. Um, you know, I think it depends what type of fasting you're talking about. If you're talking about intermittent fasting, sure, I'd love to talk to you. I, you know, I'm licensed in 14 states, et cetera. So, um, but when it comes to, you know, someone who wants to do a, a week or a two week water fast on their own, no, I, I think you, it's safest to have medical supervision. Yeah. So do you do telehealth? I mean, you said you're licensed in 14 states. So if people live in one of those 14 states, they can actually make an appointment with you? This is true. Yeah, they through, uh, I'm doing it now through True North and, and you could also reach reach out to me at, at drjosh.com. Do you happen to know which 14 states they are or do you have to look it up? Um, I don't have them all. I mean, I could, I'll probably come up with 13. So I bet you're in California for sure. Yeah, definitely. Right. And um, what I can also tell you is I also do coaching, you know, in general terms in the States, I'm not licensed. So don't, that, that, that's why I don't, I don't think that's as important. You know, what, what, where the license is important is, is if I'm going to be prescribing something, but uh, yeah. Yeah. That thing, I can't get that image of that baby out of my head. I mean, what, what do they say to the parents? Like, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, I mean, I mean, it's tragic. I saw an article in uh, in the news this morning about they're finding when if you give your baby a plastic, you know, bottle to feed, that that just in the act of of uh, putting a liquid like milk or in or formula in that bottle, it produces a million different microplastics, and unfortunately, uh, the my assumption is that all of these plastics have the obesogenic effects. So basically, if you're using plastic to feed your baby, so, so, so it's not just what, what they got in the umbilical blood you know, in birth, but if you start feeding them in plastic, starting, you know, uh, that you're, you're giving them a dose of these obesogens starting you know, at, at age zero or one, it, it's, it's tragic. 
and it's considered controversial. I mean, I mean, the article was, you know, they had a pediatrician said, yeah, I think, I think mothers should be, your know, parents should be concerned about this. Like, yeah, I think they should. But I think you also have to understand that there's a whole industry uh, wanting things to stay the way they are. So, and it's always like we wait for it to get bad and then try to fix it like the planet instead of just not hurting thing, hurting people in the planet and, you know, proactively. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah ju just because we've been using plastic for 50 or 100 years doesn't mean it's safe or appropriate. And, you know, it's, it's, time, it's time to change. It's just so, I mean, it's so hard because, you know, I get criticized a lot when I'll do recipes and it's like, especially early in the pandemic, we weren't allowed to bring our bags in the store. It, it's like, how do you buy food without a bag if it's not, you know, it was it just, it's, it's such a difficult thing because that's what they sell. You know, you got to shop somewhere and not all of us can grow our own food. I, I mean, I wish they didn't use it, you know? Yeah. So, so I think, I think Chef AJ, one, one of the things you need to do is first not get, get frustrated and, and throw up your hands and say, well, if it's going to be so difficult, I'm not going to do anything. But what, what I try to do is maybe every week or every month, try one new thing. And, and, and do, am, I, am I around plastic in my life? Sure. But whenever I have a choice, if I'm going to go out and, you know, get, get a bottle, it's like, it's going to be, it's going to be a metal bottle. Now, is there plastic here? Yeah, there's plastic here. So am I perfect? No, I'm not perfect. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. But, but I also, I realize that just because I don't have a, a, a study that I can show you that says, you know, if you give your baby, you know, something out of plastic, they're going to get cancer earlier or you know you become obese at an earlier age you know how do you do that study i mean i mean really what you know are you going to study people for for 80 years and then say okay yeah maybe we should get rid of plastic <laughs> so marty says how do i lower my triglycerides i eat mostly potatoes yeah so um i, I think i have to have more information like how, how is Marty preparing her potatoes? You know, is, um, and, and what else is Marty? Is Marty eating any vegetables? Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. So, so Lena says, does intermittent fasting cause muscle loss? Yeah, so I, I don't think so. I mean, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I did a 10 day water fast last year and I think my, my lean muscle mass went down only by like 1%. And I think that was probably good because I think my body was recycling the muscle that had been damaged. So, so I, I think in general terms, I don't think intermittent fasting will do that. Um, it, it turns out that biochemically uh, fasting and exercise do almost exact uh, similar things. So, so I know exercise doesn't normally cause muscle you know, uh, so I don't think intermittent fasting would either. So what kind of uh, successes have you seen at the True North Health Center since you started working there? Wow. I mean, reversing diabetes, rever the most impressive has got to be high blood pressure. I mean, you got someone who's, whose numbers are through the roof and, you know, the, they fail medication that they're able to get their blood pressure low. Um, um, seeing cancer reverse. I mean, all these different, but, but to be upfront with you, I saw similar success stories at uh, Hippocrates. So I think some of it is, is um, 
just getting away from the traditional Western diet. If we break your habit of eating lots of salt, oil, and sugar and processed foods and animal products, you know, the results are going to be amazing. So, um, and everyone's got a different pathway, and, but I love seeing people get better at True North. Yeah, you, you worked emergency for a long time, didn't you? As an ER doc, you probably, uh, how much of that was lifestyle? I mean, obviously, you know, people break bones and things, but isn't a lot of what you actually see in the emergency room lifestyle disease manifesting in, in an emergency situation? A hundred percent. So, so and frankly, it's also a great opportunity to uh, talk to patients about their, you know, their diabetes and their high blood pressure that caused a stroke or a heart attack, you know, or things like that. It's a great teachable moment to say, hey, you, you know what? You've got uh, inflammation of your gallbladder because you've been eating the wrong types of foods. So you have a choice. You can either stop eating all that awful Western food um, or they can take out your gallbladder. I, I've got to say, you know, maybe five or 10% of people are like, oh yeah, what can I do in seven operations? But most people are like, oh no, no, I want to go back to eating my uh, hamburgers and tacos and and everything out, yeah, take my gallbladder out. So, so it was eye-opening, uh, but, but I've got to say that there, there's more education that needs to happen besides in the emergency room, but, but so much of like sudden cardiac death is completely preventable if we can get people adopting a healthy lifestyle. It's not just what you're eating, it's exercise and, and, and things like that too. And I, I think that's a huge opportunity that we've missed so far in this country with the, the COVID, you know, we're just saying, Hey, go home. It doesn't matter if you exercise. It doesn't matter what you eat. Just go home, wear a mask, and everything will be okay. No, it's not going to just be okay. Yeah. Uh, Candy says, if someone has never tried intermittent fasting, what is the best way to start? Do you have any good resources? Ooh, um, my favorite resource would be fasting.org. Um, fasting.org. So a way to start with intermittent fasting would be just to set a time at night, whether it's maybe 6 p.m. and just say, I'm not going to eat anything after 6 p.m. And, you know, initially you might be like, oh, I'm hungry. It's 6.30. Um, and, and, and our bodies are set up that way. Our brain is set up that way. And, but the, the cool thing is you can reprogram it so that when you get hungry, you just drink some water. And, and one, of the, one of the things I realized uh, from, from fasting and everything else is that you know, you've got to you've got to realize that you can you can take control of your brain when it comes to hunger because when you think about it, like it's six thirty p.m. I just ate dinner. I'm hungry again. I want to eat dessert or something like that. But I want you to think: to how hungry are you when you first wake up in the morning? Um, if you're like me and like I wake up, I'm not particularly hungry. So why is it like you're really hungry at six thirty p.m. But after twelve hours of not eating? you're, you're not hungry. So, and, and, and with a fast, it's even like after the first two, two days of fasting for a lot of people, including me, um, just drinking water, hunger goes away. So, so it turns out that hunger is, it's an evolutionary adaptive response, but you have to take it with a grain of salt, you know, but, but you know how it is. Most people think, you know, when, when they get an airplane, you know, if it's going to be like a, a five hour flight, it's like, if they, if they don't get their peanuts or, or snack, you know, in, within the first couple hours, they're gonna die, and, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna die of, you know, uh, famine or famishment, but you no, know, it's, 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 uh, 
it's like it's it, here it's one of those things it's i hate to say it's like raising a little kid it's like either they're going to train you or you're going to train them so either let your hunger drive what you eat or you know what maybe you can take some control and if you're dealing with a chronic issue maybe it's time that that you you take control because as i said in my in my lecture a lot of these things are it's not your fault that all these chemicals were introduced into our environment. Uh, it's not your fault. But the exciting thing is you do have power to change, you know, from now on. So that, that's a good message there. Yeah, great. Linda says when your body releases fat, doesn't it also release some stored toxins? A hundred percent. And, and ju just like when people are fasting here at True North, there, the body is using uh, fat as a fuel after a few days and, um, and you're exactly right. Some of these toxins like PCBs, DDT might have a half-life of 10 years. So 100%. So that's one of the key things is when you're re releasing these toxins, um, we may want to get start binding agents at that same time to help move those toxins through your body so they don't get reaccumulated in the fat. But that's definitely a concern. And it's also one of the things where people can actually get worse before they get better. Uh, and and I, I've seen that here, and I've also seen that in Hippocrates, is that the first couple days, people actually feel worse because they're, they're busting biofilm, they're, they're busting fat, toxins are coming out. And, and basically, these, these are toxins that have accumulated over decades. And they're like, oh, I don't feel good. But, but the cool thing is, after a few days, often they feel a lot better as these toxins get out of their system. Absolutely. Dina says, how can I lower my LDL? It's a, despite eating whole food, plant-based, low-fat exercising daily, can lack of sleep affect LDL? You know, I, I heard a talk by Dr. Clapper saying we don't have to worry about our LDL because that, that we don't we don't need the garbage trucks because we don't have garbage. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying it as good as him, but that, that the numbers are for the people that don't eat like us or exercise. Well, I... I understand what Dr. Clapper is saying in general terms, because a lot of the studies are not done on, on, on vegans or people who eat, eat plants primarily. So, but, but to answer their specific question about LDL cholesterol, I would be concerned if my LDL was high despite doing everything right. And, and I've definitely seen it. And, and what are some common things like, let, let's say you're eating everything right, just, just plants, you're not adding salt, oil, and sugar to your diet. What are some other things that could still be causing your LDL to go up uh, one is coffee. Uh, the, the, some of the fats in coffee can cause your LDL to come up. Another one that I've, I've seen is uh, coconut. You definitely want to cut coconut out of your diet. The, the other one is heavy metals. Toxins like mercury can definitely poison your mitochondria, which makes it a lot harder to use fat as a fuel, which can cause obesity. So so no, I, I wouldn't just throw up my hands and say I'm doing everything right. Um, another thing is it, it's rare, it's one in 300 people, but one in 300 people may have a genetic disease causing them to produce too much LDL. So the, the bottom line is you need to find an expert like myself uh, to, to go through that differential with you to get you some answers because guess what? If your LDL is high, even though you're doing everything right, you're, you're at an increased risk and it's risk that, that, that could be reversible. Thank you. JL says, what chronic conditions does fasting help with the most? Uh, you know, it's, um, I, I would say any, any of the diseases of excess, which are, 
you know, all the common causes of death and, and disability in our country, which, which are, you know, high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease. Yeah, you know, to my mind, this is almost like the same disease, just in different parts and different organs of the body. So, so if, if I had to pick one favorite that we, we now have a lot of research showing that fasting works, it would be high blood pressure. But I don't think it just works in high blood pressure. It's just, it's a very easy thing to study. And it's, it's remarkable, you know, we've got pharmaceutical companies producing all these high blood pressure pills and they don't work that well and they're, they can be toxic themselves. And, but we've got, we've got a traditional approach that, that works. But again, I don't recommend that people try water fasting on their own, um, you know, especially if you've got medical conditions. Uh, does decaf also raise the LDL? Because I heard there's really no such thing as truly decaffeinated coffee, that it has like 20, like 75% less, but it still has caffeine. Yeah, I think decaf, unfortunately, can also raise the LDL. And, you know, I also worry about what they use to extract the caffeine, uh, what chemicals they're using, talking about toxins. And then I also worry about, here's another example, in order to produce coffee, you take a coffee bean and you roast it. Roasting means you raise it to a high temperature. When you take a bean and raise it to a high temperature, you produce something called acrylamide, which we know is a carcinogen. So, so yeah, I, I personally don't drink coffee. I, I like tea if, if I'm going to drink something like that. So, so for all of you there, like coffee may be something, if you still drink it, maybe something to, to switch over uh, on your radar screen. Although... I don't recommend, it's like if you have a completely awful diet and traditional American diet, it turns out that the number one source of antioxidants for Americans is coffee. So, so if you're eating a really bad diet, um, I wouldn't just say, oh, stop your coffee because that may be the only natural product <laughs> in your diet. So I, I guess that, that's a tough thing to answering these questions is like, yeah. it depends, but in general terms, no, I'm not a fan of coffee. Is the caffeine in tea also bad, TS is asking? Yeah, so I think the, the quick answer is, yeah, it's a stimulant. It's not something you should be taking, even, even though, you know, we can, we, can, we can watch lots of advertisements about it. It's like, think about your brain. Why would you want to give your brain stimulants? On, I mean, yeah, I get it. Like if, if you need, you know, you're sleep deprived and you really need to drive or, you know, sure. Could there be an example where you, you, you take a stimulant? Yes, but that's not... Look at the typical American is doing it every single day, every morning. So no, I, I'm not a fan of taking uh, teas with caffeine as a stimulant. Nice. So there's a question from Sherry. Does sweating in an infrared sauna help break down biofilm? Yeah, so I'm a big fan of sauna um, to remove toxins because through the sweat, and yes, that can help mobilize uh, the toxins. I will say when it comes to infrared, because um, the studies on, on toxins and sauna were done with traditional steam saunas in, in, in Finland and Scandinavia. So I, I am a fan of infrared, but, but I caution people before you buy an infrared machine that hopefully you're going to do like on a daily basis, that you make sure that it's not releasing a lot of the RFID, a lot of the radiation. Because I don't want you to, to remove the toxins with that uh, with that sauna, but then be you know get cancer ten years later because you were getting constant doses of radiation 
from that that song. So it and you can check it with a meter. So it's um, it's something you can do your homework on. That's great. Let's see. Also, oh, nice comment from Gina. I really like this doctor. Well, True North always gets oh. nice doctors, don't they? I mean, I, I, everybody from True North is amazing. Thanks, so how do you, there's a couple of people are asking really, really specific medical questions, which I'm not going to ask you because you cannot advise somebody right now whether they should or shouldn't take a medication. So if they wanted to have a private consult, would you prefer they contact you through True North or you did give a slide with a lot of information. So would that be the best way to contact? Yeah, probably just through drjosh.com, you can find my contact info and we can figure out the right approach. Yeah. That's great. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for, for your presentation. And I'm so happy you're at True North and I hope you enjoy it there so that you'll stay. <laughs> Thanks, Chef AJ. Yeah, and, and like I said, you're you're one of my heroes and, and you're, you're one of the reasons why I was able to, to figure this all out. So keep doing what you're doing and um, yeah, what, what a pleasure. I'm so glad. It was so nice to talk to you. And thank you guys so much for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. We have three shows today. There's a cooking demo at three o'clock with Thomas Allen from California Balsamic making amazing recipes with pumpkin pie balsamic. And at 1 p.m., another wonderful medical doctor, Dr. Bindia Gandhi. Say hi to everybody at True North, Dr. Hellman, and take care.